Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello and welcome to Weave Your Bliss. This is Paula. I'm so grateful you're here. Happy Navaratri. The nine nights of the goddess begin today. Thank goodness, right? If you all have been following me on Instagram, you know that it's been a crazy week leading up to this. And most of you know that it's the ancestor fortnight just before this fall Navaratri. So we're working with that ancestral energy patterns clearing karma, it can be very intense. And so after the new moon that happened yesterday, it becomes the goddess energy. So we're moving into this powerful, shifting, promoting, growing energy, this building energy of moving things. So it's a very powerful energy. And I hope you tap into it over the next nine days. So this is perfect timing for this interview that I have with my friend, musician Trevor Montgomery. We met over 20 years ago, but really bonded just over 10 years ago when we were both getting over heartbreaks and were waking up to spirituality through yoga and meditation and chanting. We were living together in San Francisco at the time in this art house, um, and we make reference to all of that. So you'll learn more about that in this episode. I remember being introduced to the goddess Durga in one of the classes and learning for the first time really after doing yoga since I was, I don't know, 18 years old. This was the first time I actually had heard of Navaratri. So it's really powerful to kind of come full circle in this episode. So before we jump in, I want to make sure you are signed up to receive my resonance love letters in your inbox every week. This is where I share my deepest thoughts on astrology and building your business and where you can really hear what's going on in my world. The best way to get it is to go to the show notes and sign up and you'll also be able to receive my free mini course, The Planets and Your Business. So opt in for that and that will automatically put you on my newsletter list where you'll receive an email probably twice a week, Monday and Friday. Those are pretty much the days that I'm normally sending out an email. The Planets in Your Business is a bite-sized course to help you orient to these planetary energies as a business owner. So I'm really hoping that that's beneficial to you because seeing my work through the lens of the planets has been very powerful for me. So Trevor Montgomery is the musician behind Young Moon, and he is based on the South Island of New Zealand. And we met, as you'll hear, over 20 years ago in the music scene when he was in a band called Tarantel. So you can find his latest album on Bandcamp, as well as music from Tarantel, Young Moon, and another band he created called Lazarus on Apple Music or wherever you listen. In this episode, we talk about moving through difficult moments and what keeps Trevor steady. And we'll also hear some of his music and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Trevor. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. I was thinking before we we started, you know, talking about how we met like 20 years ago, we were both like little puppies and totally different. And, and, you know, I was thinking I heard something that like cells completely rejuvenate after like nine years in your body. And so I feel like we've become different people like twice (laughs) since we met. And like we really connected about 10 years ago. That's when we 
we're living together in the Bay Area and both like getting over heartbreaks. We're being good influences on each other, juicing and going to yoga. And I just am, it's amazing how much we both have radically changed our lives since then. I will have an intro before this and introduce you, but can you tell us a little bit from your perspective, like what you do, where you live? Well, yeah, I, I live currently, I live in Nelson, New Zealand. I moved here in 2020, right at the onset of everything going off the rails. Like we moved here and had planned it for a long time before. So it really was quite surreal the way it all went down because we weren't even thinking about anything except for how crazy it is to move across the world from San Francisco, where I lived for 20 years. Like, yeah, I've always done music and I moved to San Francisco to go to art school and I ended up like, I was always a music person. And to be honest, when I moved there, I was trying to get away from music almost. I was like trying to be like, ah, music, it's not the best path. Like being punk and being like a music artist is, you know, I, I need to go be a real artist and like go to, to San Francisco Art Institute. But in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew that like that was total bullshit and that like <laughs> I was really like a music person and I felt it in my bones even though I, I wasn't raised by people that were musical at all like I figured everything out myself and I really came up in the DIY scene of LA and like SST records where it was just like people were just making punk bands and you know garages and that's like what we were all about but yeah so I moved to San Francisco I met like Probably my two still dearest friends, Jeffrey Cantu and, and Danny Grody, and we started playing music. And then from there, it just was like, oh, yeah, I think that music is my thing. And it always came a lot easier to me than trying to make paintings or drawings, which I love. And I love making art. But music just always felt like pure to me. So, yeah. And then recording of music, I just always was interested in, like, I bought a four track pretty early on and started messing around with it. Like Danny and I would mess around with like doing like multi-track guitar stuff. And, you know, we always just kind of like were thinking outside of the box as far as stuff like that goes. And um, so I just kept going down the road with recording. So I kind of consider myself a recording person and, you know, a songwriter and a musician. And I love like helping people record, but more than anything, I love making records, like my own records and making these like novels. I think of them as like by building them, like with all these parts and putting it all together and sorting it all out. I just feel like it's, it's like, that's, that's my strongest gift and ability that I've been given in this world. So you've been a part of a number of different projects. And like the one I think that was really being born when we were hanging out like 10 years ago was Young Moon, which are still kind of under that moniker. But I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels sort of like you create these characters. Lazarus was kind of a character and Young Moon is kind of a character. So there's like a story that you're kind of telling through that character. Does that feel true? That's definitely true. I mean, I think of it like I've always been a huge reader my whole life and I just always was reading books and consuming the classics and novels and fiction and poetry my whole life and stuff like Dostoevsky and it just really like writers often will just create 
worlds and they and it's totally accepted that you just create characters and you create worlds and i i often i see music the same way it's, i mean at the same time people often will say that my music seems overly personal and i think that that's valid too but i'm really trying to create these like idealized versions of you know characters that i i feel really connected to whether it be you know romantic or spiritual or you know with Lazarus I was so kind of like I had gone down this road of of really wanting to delve into the darkness that I've I've always been connected to and and has always been a part of me no matter as long as I can remember it just has always been there and at a certain point I just couldn't feel like I could go any deeper into it so then at that point I decided to like change directions and Young Moon was born out of that. And I was like, I want to do something that to me feels positive and like tries to step out in a new direction. And like, and that's, that's how it was born. And like, I made one song and I was like, ah, this feels different. Like, and I sent it to a few friends and they responded really positively to that. And then from there, I just was like, okay, yeah, I need to leave that persona behind and embark on this new persona. Yeah, we met each other. It was like a really unique moment. And like both of us were really stepping into our practices and kind of going down a deep spiritual path at the same time. And it felt like the album that came out at that time was Navigated by the Swan. What is it called? Navigated Navigated Like the Swan. Like the Swan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that album was like the soundtrack to that moment. You know, when I listen to it now, I'm like, oh, I just remember the euphoria, the terror, like all the feelings that I had in like not knowing who I was anymore. You know what I mean? Like, do you remember that period as well? Like as kind of being a fertile void of like not knowing? Oh, yeah. I mean, like when we met at Wholesome Folsom, the house we lived in (laughs) on Folsom 20th, which was like the last like $300 room in all of San Francisco, probably. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That place was so amazing. And like, so that was like that whole period right before that really embodied that, that record and like what I was trying to make a reality, which was like, I don't know. Yeah, I was transforming big time at that point. And I had like really like gone all in on this love story and it, the bottom totally fell out from underneath it. And, you know, I was picked up in the ashes by my beautiful friend, Lathan, who like was like, come live on this boat in the Berkeley Marina. <laughs> and, like, and I was like, okay. Like he just like basically... You know, because I just was a mess and I was lost and I had moved to Oakland and I didn't know what the hell I was doing because I'd never lived in Oakland and I was a San Francisco person. And I just was like, what am I doing? How did I get here? You know, it's kind of like I just was totally lost at that point. I lived on that boat for a couple months and like I would just sleep for so long because the waves would be lulling me to sleep. And I, and then out of that, I moved in with you guys and you just like kind of, were like so welcoming and moving into that house was so wonderful and and I was really broken and I think that that you I know you were going through a lot at that time too and I know that we connected a lot around that I think there was a lot of dismal days spent for me in that house at first like just 
wandering around kind of like a zombie because I just was like not in, in, in my body really. But then, yeah, through really diving into yoga and stuff, man. Yeah. Really. I had made a choice. I remember sitting on the front steps of that house and thinking like, Oh yeah, I could, I could like go back into like all the bad habits that I've done in my life and I could do all that. And I was like, and that didn't feel like an option for me anymore. And really, I was at a super dark place, the darkest maybe even. I was like, that was looking into that as the option or looking into a new direction. And I chose the new direction and just kind of like dove in and yeah, started like juicing all the time. Yeah, you were the you master a, of juice. amazing juicer and you were like... <laughs> I had this like super cool juicer and I was like, oh my God, you know, I love juicing so much. And I just like dove headlong in. And We used to ride our bikes to yoga, I remember, with Stephanie yeah. Snyder in the Bay like Area. straight shot down yeah. the <laughs> street to our yoga studio and like a straight shot, 10 yeah. blocks. I mean, it to, says um, it's so much about like having friends in the process and like who who can lift you up and who you can do those things with. Cause I know a lot of people listening probably have been in those moments of dark night of the soul. If you're a person who has tended towards drama <laughs> previous to that, then it's hard to be like, is there some other way, you know? And so it's nice to have friends that you can kind of connect with who are doing it a different way or, or who are trying to, to make headway in, in the other direction, you know? And like, yeah, it was, it was really supportive to have that. Um, and at the same time, like we we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other at all, and we became friends through that whole process, which is kind of like amazing for healing when you have like new people, new really strong friendships that come into your life at a time like that can be so. What would you say, like, is the biggest mindset shift that you've had since then, or like? What would you say like fruited out of that experience? And I'll answer too, but I would like to hear what you think. I think the biggest mind shift for me was that self-care and this king. For me, the biggest mind shift was like, I have to have a practice. Like I have to have discipline and meditation and yoga and my food and food is huge. I really transitioned into being vegan at that point and food became like huge for me. All three of those things, like I, that was the hugest and it still continues to be the hugest like driving force in my life. I mean, I think I had always flirted with those kind of ideas, but never really dove in and embodied it like that I needed it for my mental health. And to this day, like, I really believe that, like, food practice, physical exercise practice and meditation, those three things, like, have to exist or else I will just, like, slip right back into the darkest places. And those are the things that, like, I take out of that that time period. Yeah, I think for me, it developed within me a curiosity about what was actually going on. <laughs> If you know what I mean, like where I was like, wow, my life just completely fell apart. I got a divorce. I, you know, left everything I knew, moved across the country, 
and I don't know what I'm doing, what's going on. I'm like 30 years old. And I, I was just like, amazing things were happening. There were all these serendipities. I met, you know, my teachers when I went to India, like there were all these incredible doors opening to me. So I just had to be like, okay, I literally don't know what's going on. And I'm literally not in control of the ship. And I need to just trust that something magical is unfolding. And that mindset shift, I think has been huge for me. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it really was like such a um, a fertile time. And, and I really feel that strongly. By watching you like, yeah, I remember you would like go off on these like journeys. And then we were just all like, I don't know, we were both like at such similar places, I think in our and experimenting, you know, but I think yeah. we both wanted similar things. We wanted, you know, a stable, loving relationship. And we both have that, you know, you really wanted to have a child. And now you have that. It's like really amazing how we both have come through, you know, like for anyone who's listening, who feels like they're in like a fertile void period, you can come through on the other side with so much because you know, what I see it as is just a burning off of a lot of karmas. It's like something's just ripe to move And so how can we just be in that and like, just like you said, do some routines and things that are going to keep us sane while that's happening. Saying that like the burning off. I mean, I just, I remember at that time I was like, so into like going to class and with Steph, Stephanie Snyder. And, and she was so aggro at that point in her teaching style. And she was just, she would just be like, you know, we have to burn through this pain. I want you to burn through it. And she would be like hardcore. And it was like so amazing. You would just like how often I would just feel like so um, in back bends or whatever, not being able to even do it, but she would just compel me into it. And she was like, you just have to, you know, you have to cut it like a knife. And that was so powerful for me. I needed that because I had like I was that. I was totally like just obsessed and caught up in my heartbreak and my pain and my misery. And I needed the knife and I needed to burn through it and I needed to backbend through it. And I needed to like, just like get wild and get through that. I remember her talking about Dorga and now I feel like I have such a deep relationship with Dorga and she was really the first person to talk about that. And she, she embodied that in a lot of ways, that fierceness. Totally. She like was profoundly moved at that time by like that concept and, and Durga myself and, and just like the knife and burning through all of that karmic stuff. Another realization that I had at that time through those ideas and those philosophies was that I think I lived with this concept growing up that, um, that you lived under a cloud or something and there was like always a dark cloud. And she really helped me to see that there was no cloud. Like, it was really just up to me. Like, get up, sit on my pillow, sit still, get quiet, do the work, do the practice, and you make all of that. There is no rain cloud hanging over you. There is no, like, you're not born under a bad sign. And I was really obsessed with that a lot. I think I was, I inherited that a lot from my my family belief systems and and I was able to get rid of that and I still that's like another lifetime and I know now that like I have a choice. What's in so morning. interesting is like you 
as you talk here and just knowing you for as long as I have, like I'm looking at your chart over here and I'm like, oh, you have Saturn in the first Saturn is this, it's a hard planet to digest. It's a lot of intensity, but your ruling planet is Venus and they're exchanging. So Venus is in the 10th, which is career legacy. It's like how you show yourself outward, outward into the world, but also like creativity and beauty and like a deep appreciation of beauty, you know, and we're hearing you say that here, but when those two exchange, it's like, boom, there's this lifetime is all about a huge transformation that you're making through that lens of creativity, but also through structure, through like digesting Saturn and creating rituals and routines and making sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's, you know, those kinds of things, which maybe we don't like to do as much when we're younger, or maybe no, nobody ever likes to do that stuff. But we learn to do that stuff for ourselves. Mm. It's, it's very powerful to see that in your chart. And that you makes know. sense. Yeah. So I want to play a song from your new, is it an album or is it an EP? What should, what should I call it? I mean, I'm considering it an EP because okay. I made like all this, all these songs in one lump sum. Out of that, there's a new LP that I'm going to put out in 2023. And then okay. I had like these other sets of songs that I needed to find something to do with. So, so this is called, it's the orbiting object, which is from paraverbal orchids do you want to talk about this song before we play it the orbiting object it's like i meant it to be like a conversation it's a conversation it was a simple song and, and it just felt really good and i wrote it with my buddy jeff Mahler, who i played a lot with at that time and who worked a lot with on these recordings it was like being inspired by their artists and but also feeling like romantically inclined to the these other artists and the kind of like love between artists and that kind of zany love that happens between different artists and artists love awesome well we'll we'll listen to a little bit of it now and then we'll come back perfect world i was thinking i would ask you out Does music relate to spirituality for you? Do you feel like those two things, like, is it a practice for you in some ways? Yeah, it's definitely like, it's definitely a practice for me and and like a way that it's another tool that is so vital to my spiritual practice and my mental health. It's a way that I feel like I can get, I can get things out that like maybe I'm not aware of. And I've always kind of thought that like, I think of it as like, and probably a lot of people think of it this way as like, you're, you're like, you're just a medium for things to come through. And, and I really connect with that concept of like, 
But I think in order to make that happen effectively, you have to like consistently do it and you have to do it on a regular basis, just like your spiritual practice or just like your yoga practice. It's like you have to be knocking on the door as regularly as possible and allowing things to come through. And then, you know, it's also a way for me to deal with the specific traumas that I've gone through in my life, which not trying to say that like I'm some heavily deserving of any kind of sympathy type person, but I have had some really heavy traumas that have affected me, you know, whether it be sexual abuse when I was a kid and obviously drug addiction that was self-inflicted trauma, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's a way and, and I've lost a lot of people that were close to me. So I, I kind of use it as a way to deal with these bigger concepts. And, and I guess, you know, there's different sides that I explore with different projects too. Like more recently working on like, you know, Danny, Danny's new record. And I'm able to just like tap into a whole different set of feelings when I work on his music versus what I do with my own personal music. Even in that, I, I have a different projects that like I do on my own that I try and get at different feelings. When I work on my own music, it tends to end up a lot in my own personal spiritual experience, I think. And and that's the beauty of, of bands too, is like when you're collaborating with other people, you have to like you have to you have to take it in a whole another direction. I mean, I think about Tarantel, which was an early band that you and yeah. Jeffrey and, and Danny were a part of, and that's how I met you all. Um, and just like before I had any concept of a spiritual practice, it almost took me there. You know, there was like a way that that moved and it built. And so for people who are out there who are diehard fans, <laughs> they know, you know, that you guys did something really powerful. And like, I know Danny thinks a lot about his music as like a healing instrument as well. And yeah. I think, I think we all do. I mean, yeah. we always kind of did. We always were kind of like, whether it was like at the time that we all met, I was super into um, like long form classical stuff and soundtrack music. And, and Jeff was really into getting into experimental, like slow core and the whole, we were all into different things. And Danny was like really knowledgeable about like space rock and, and shoegaze stuff and we were bringing all these concepts together but i think that we all kind of unconsciously were looking for like we were spiritual people I mean, if you look at it now i mean yeah. jeff's like a a, a buddhist monk and <laughs> right. or he's a buddhist and danny's a therapist and uh -huh. <laughs> works with healing through music and music as a healing process and and i haven't gone in that direction but i've always thought of music as like completely a spiritual practice and most of my favorite music that i listen to is is definitely in that space and spectrum mm -hmm. totally and transcendence and, and i listened to something recently about trance and how essential it is for human beings to experience those states and if they don't they'll seek it out in unhealthy ways like you know yeah. just sitting around watching football or ideas that are dangerous you know but that trance state can come through music, I think. It's like a really powerful way to kind of take us there. Yeah, I mean, I listened to that th same thing I think that you're talking about. I really enjoyed it hearing about like, I, I really think of this one time where like Danny, myself and our friend Rich started this other band called The Drift. 
at one point and we've done several records but we did a lot we do a lot of long form songs too and they're like super repetitive and minimal and at the time we started it we like we got into this really cool new practice space in San Francisco and we had this giant room that was like unheard of in San Francisco like who has a giant practice space in San Francisco and at the time I was like really into like I, I was like I think we should rehearse during the day like let's do it differently like let's go and rehearse like in the mornings or like early in the day and everybody kind of got on board and we would go down there we were just starting out and like we were all super inspired by like this like repetitive minimal music that we were trying to make that was super rhythm focused and and we would jam sometimes and at the time I would do mini disc recordings and we would play literally for an hour and a half straight without stopping sometimes on these like really simple grooves I swear to you Paula that like we would experience time travel we were bending time like somehow we got into the arc of like because we would play and we would be like, I would look at the mini disc and I'd be like, wow, that was 50 minutes that we just jammed. And, and they'd be like, really? Like, that felt like 10 minutes tops. And I was like, no, that was 50 minutes we were just playing, you know. So at that time, I think we were all like, whoa, like there's some serious power in this like repetition and, and these like very cool. But that trance state, you know. We've talked about this a little bit, but there's there's so much lightness in what you're doing now. It's like very poppy and danceable and like gets under your skin. There's some grooves that are kind of, they have a rhythmic, you know, like the song we just listened to. They have like a thing that kind of, it gets, it's like an earworm. It kind of gets you like, but at the same time, it's it's more poppy and more like lyrics. You know, so a lot of the stuff you've done before has been no lyrics. So can you talk a little bit about your songwriting process? like? Do you start with the music? Do you start with the lyrics? Is it just intuitive? Do you like hear something in your environment and then you're like, that's a good song? Yeah. I mean, so I usually start like conceptually. Like I have an idea for feelings that like I really want to try and portray. And and most of the time at that stage of writing like that song, for instance, I think I, I came up with the guitar part somewhat first and then what I tend to do is try and put down a beat, whether it be a drum machine. I usually use drum machines to to find my beat. And then, and usually lyrics are the last thing that I, I do, but I always have already scoped out and sculpted out like a rough melody. And like, I'll never really have a song that I don't have like a vocal melody for. It pretty much comes like right away. Like I'll be like, oh, that's it. And like, I know the thread that and I'll just and I have a good memory for that stuff so I can carry it for years even sometimes without working on it when the time comes I can drop it down and then and then I get in there and get into the lyrics and stuff and try and get into the nitty-gritty of of like how syllables are placed and and stuff like that which I really get into and I love I just really like um like I grew I grew up loving 80s and 90s and pop music and especially in the English spectrum of things and the romanticness of like like goth music and stuff too and yeah New Order like you know I'll probably be alone in saying that like I'm more of a New Order fan than I am a Joy Division fan but I think that comes from like the fact that like suicide really affects me and sends me in a way that like I don't know it breaks my heart and like I think so when somebody like even Kurt Cobain, for instance, like I, 
I stopped loving Nirvana as much, and, and it's not even because I wanted to. It's not a conscious decision. It happened subconsciously when he decided to check out because I, I know I have that inside myself too where I've battled that demon off and like and I've made the decision to keep going on. So when somebody makes a decision to not keep going on, it, there's something that happens inside of me that's hard for me to be like, oh, I love that music so much. I think I stopped loving it. It's like it breaks my heart. It's interesting to me to think about all the music I've loved and how my relationship has changed. You know, there's very few bands that I love in the same way that I did. You know, I listen to totally different music now than I used to. And I'll occasionally put something on for nostalgia's sake. But like, I listen to a lot of spiritual music now. That's what I mostly listen to. That's cool. It comes in waves and it goes around. Like, I think it's like goes in orbits. Like, there you go. Like, it might come back around. Like... All of a sudden, you might find yourself like, oh, my God, like, I listened to the Smiths for nothing, nothing but the Smiths for two months straight. And they're like, wow. I can't ever stop listening to the Smiths. I mean, when they yeah. come on just randomly, sometimes my phone will start playing music and it's the Smiths and I just start belting it out. And my husband yeah. just stares at me like I'm crazy. But so what advice would you have for somebody who is a creative person they're trying to write a book or trying to write it you know and make music or whatever it is like what advice would you give to them to help them i mean i think i would give the advice that people gave me which is like you have to do it every day whatever amount of time you think is like hard to do whether it be an hour a day or whether it be three hours a day stick to that and go with it be dedicated to that because really that's like the way that you're gonna be able to learn the language because it's like a language and I think that you have to learn to speak it. I would just say that get weird. Don't be afraid to just get weird and have friends and share it with your friends. Choose a couple of people that you really trust that you can be vulnerable with and share it. It's really important that like whatever it is that you're doing, try and just make it yours and uniquely yours as much as you can. Like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to write, like, this person that I'm so obsessed with, but you have to, like, stave that off and be like, no, no, I have to write, like, myself. And what does that mean? I, mean, mm -hmm. I think that's so important. Well, yeah. what is what does it mean to you to live in your purpose? For me, my purpose is still unveiling itself all the time, whether... I still have to work a job or whatever I have to do. For me, living in my purpose is like realizing, embodying that like I have this gift that I was given and not everybody has that, that same gift. And it doesn't mean that it's like uh, special or it doesn't mean that it's, you know, like I'm different or unique. I don't really believe that. It does mean that I was given that gift and that it would be, I don't know. I just feel like it's like my duty to use it as much as possible and put it out there as much as possible. And for me, that's like my purpose. I can sit down and write a song and I can come up with some lyrics and I can think of all these weird sounds to put with it. And it, it makes some sort of feeling happen. And like, I have to just keep doing that as much as possible. And for me, that's like a great purpose. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. If you are down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally down. What is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? It would have to be Jeffrey right before he left to move to Germany. And I dropped him off the airport and he was bawling and he was so open and we love each other so much. And he told me, um, stay vulnerable. Mm. So when you feel anxious, confused or frustrated, what's the first thing you do to ground yourself? 
Yoga. <laughs> yoga practice, 20 minutes even. That's like huge for me because I can turn my head off and and I know my practice so well that like that's like pretty much the only way I can really turn my head off completely. And then I can get some breath because breath I think really helps calm all those things down and I can get some my heartbeat going a little bit. And that all tends to really calm me down a lot, those things. So what is your favorite hot beverage? Uh, my favorite hot beverage is hands down espresso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always has been and will always be my favorite beverage. We've had several espressos together in this lifetime. That's Maybe that's we'll true. have more in the future. I don't know. I think Hopefully. we definitely will. What would be your last meal on earth? Burrito, for sure. <laughs> Do you have burritos in New Zealand? No. And I'm like, I live in denial all the time about it. But have you done what I did when I lived far away from really good Mexican food? We learned how to do tacos by having taco night every week and like experimenting. <laughs> yeah, we do do it. We, we, have, we do like burrito taco bowl night and we make like full, because like, there's tons of avocados here. So we make like guac. Mm. California style guac and California style pico de gallo. We do it up as much awesome. as possible. I love that. I wish we had avocados. I do miss that. <laughs> I mean, we can buy them, but they, we, I had an avocado tree in my backyard when I lived in Oakland. So I miss that. So you mentioned having a morning routine. Which part, if any, is non-negotiable for you? Meditation, I think, is non-negotiable. It's weird to say that, but it's probably the best thing, the most profoundly powerful, life-changing thing that you can do, I think. Meditate. It like It's so hard. It never gets easier, but it, the results of it are just totally overwhelm the, the, the difficulties of meditation. It helps me so much. So tell us about a person who inspires you and why. My daughter, Wilder, inspires me so much. Just to see like her mind like growing and expanding and how she embodies new concepts all the time and will just like rattle off some idea and I'll just be like, oh my God, like it's like so powerful the way that watching her mind just grow up and and the way that she she is open to the universe is so cool and it mm. inspires me a lot. Um, what's something that people might not know about you? They might not know that I work in a factory, making food in a factory in mm -hmm. New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading right now? Or what's a book that you, that's like your favorite book ever that you come back to again and again? I've been reading so much again. I'm like consuming books at a, a pace that's at the speed of light. And I've mostly been reading sci-fi. I just read five Ursula Le Guin books in a row and Left Hand of Darkness was mind-blowing. That book, um, opposed to, I just read the whole Chicks and Lou trilogy of the three-body problem. And those two have definitely altered my mind and the way I, I've been thinking about. Like, like I'm definitely writing a whole record about that's that's definitely influenced by like my experiences with those books over the last year and like thinking about aliens and infinite space and other cultures that are out there and time travel. Cool. 
I feel like my husband would love for us to read that one together. Like we used to read before bed together. Like we'd read to each other. Yeah. We've gotten off our rhythm of doing that. So maybe I'll, oh, like, man. he would be thrilled if I brought something in that was about aliens. <laughs> so the three body problem is so cool. It's so far out. Yeah. So what is one thing that's bringing you joy right now? Reading. Yeah. Reading has been my joy lately. It's been like just constantly I'm in love with it lately. And so you have an album coming out in 2023. Is that the one you're talking about? Or that one's already finished and you're working on another one? Yeah. So that one's finished. It's going to come out in 2023 on a Chicago label that I can't say the name of yet. But like, but yeah, it's it's coming out. It's done. It's being are, mastered right now. Are you planning on touring? Definitely. I want to come to the States, hopefully maybe in 2023. And I have like a band that has formed around releasing Paraverbal Orchids here in New Zealand. Like all these people that I know and somewhat know have come to me and written me and been like, I want to play in your band like let's do this like let's do some shows here in new zealand so that's been so cool and that's super inspiring and i can't wait to like, get together with these people and like start doing it over here because it just feels so good it's been a while since i played shows and played with other people i was thinking about it this morning i was like oh man there's like songs that i would love to get from like that first young moon record that i've never really done live but like i was thinking like oh man, I really want to do those songs like, and do it upright with a band. And Cool. Well, I look forward to that. Where can people find you online? I think your your Instagram handle has gotten more complicated. So I can, I'm sorry. I can just share it because it's like zeros yeah. for O's now, isn't it? Yeah, I wanted to like make it more young. It's so it said young moon, but yeah, maybe I made it complicated. But um, Well, it's hard to share and like for me to say it because it's like yeah. underscore young Maybe underscore back, moon but, yeah. but the o's are like zeros yeah. so we'll share it in the show notes and we'll share you know the link yeah, to the you band can find camp me on instagram obviously but you can find me on on all the streaming sites as young moon and from my previous labels like western vinyl temporary residence you know how's like all my old projects lazarus and taranto and the drift I post a lot right now on Instagram, so it's probably a good thing to see what I'm working on and what is inspiring me. I'm I'm really into just posting like works in progress right now and put stuff out there in awesome. a vulnerable state. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share before we go out with a song from Navigated like the Swan? Just thank you, Paula. I love doing this. This is super fun. Thank you so much. It's amazing to see how you've your your journey and it's been really cool to see from a distance, although we've been like separated for a while. Yeah. It's amazing that we can keep tabs on each other like nowadays. I think and, that's the benefit of social media, you know, it's like when you really care about someone, you can kind of watch their journey and hold them in, in kind of your peripheral view, you know, where you're kind of aware of what they're doing and you can cheer yeah. them on. <laughs> I'm definitely cheering you on, so. Awesome. Well, thank you, Trevor. Yeah, thank you, Paula.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantuladesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day, and we will connect soon on a future episode. 